What's up, everybody? Uh, it's your boys from S3. We're back. Uh, we're here, here with Tim Neely. Um, we're going to be schooling you guys on how to take your money-sucking car hobby and turn it into a money-making car hobby, maybe. What's up, guys? I'm Jonathan. I'm the editor of S3 Magazine. Mike, the business-minded guy behind S3 Magazine. Tim Neely writes for S3 Magazine. Also does a bunch of his own things. You might know him from Motor Vice, which is like the 80s, 90s vibe car shows. Uh, Tim's Enthusiast Garage. You need to check that out. And you need to check that out because what he does is basically buy and sell um, cars. And a lot of them are in a weird range. I, and, and what I think is really cool about what Tim does is it's he collects cars and he turns cars and sells them for profit usually. But it's not necessarily like our parents did it where everything was old and European. Uh, Tim kind of looks at different cars. Um, and I'll let him get into that. A lot of them are, are strategic in what he buys, cars that are at the bottom of depreciation curves. He'll explain what all that is. Um, so the basic premise tonight is, is talking about, um, look, if you're buying a collector car because you want to have it in your house, like a Rolex watch on display, that's lame. If you're, if you're trying to justify a car that you really want by its possible collectability in the future, that's rad. Um, and, and it, and it gives you like this surge of energy kind of when you, you, you know what I mean? I, I know Tim knows what I mean when you For know, sure. when you know, like, man, I really want this car and I think I can justify it. You know, um, that makes, that makes buying and, and, and having and driving and, and maybe modding cars that much more fun. Um, so, uh, I guess without further ado, Tim, do you want to talk about like your strategy? Explain the depreciation curve because I think once people start thinking like that, it really opens a lot of yeah. Yes. So every car, like when it's born, and and this is a lot, a lot of what I talk about on my channel, and a lot about we we did a podcast about this maybe a year ago, two years ago, yeah. where we kind of got into some good buys at the time. I actually just did a video on my channel about the five cars that I think you should buy right now which I'll get into here as well. Um, and I think there's stuff in every price range. You know, there's on the, my latest video, it was like zero to $5,000, 6000 to $10,000, uh, 10 to $25,000, and then $35,000 to $70,000. So it was like pretty much no matter where your budget was, there was something that, could, that you could drive and enjoy and potentially make, I mean, definitely not lose money on, but probably double your money, triple your money, in the best case scenario, maybe quadruple your money. Um, every car, when it's born, you know, is at a, at a set price. So whether it's a $40,000, you know, CTR, or it's a, um, you know, $15,000, $20,000, $22,000 Barth or, you know, wh whatever, it starts here, and then it quickly kind of cascades down and down and down. And if it's like an ultra luxury car, you know, those lose half like the first year, like they right. go from a, a hundred to 50 mm -hmm. and then, and then kind of a slower descent, but everything kind of descends, you know, goes, goes, loses value. And there's a sweet spot where the car is still, you know, a viable option. In other words, it's not like, 
a barn find, but it's like a, a newer, you know, it can be from newer car to, to whatever, but there's always a bottom. Like a good example is about a year ago, 996s, Porsche 996s were at the bottom. Uh, about a year ago, Mark II Volkswagens and like uh, EG hatches, um, you know, we're kind of at the bottom. And now you're kind of seeing those start to tick up, climb up. Because what happens is eventually there's not very many of a specific car left because cars are kind of viewed by a lot of people, not necessarily by us, but by a lot of people as like consumables. So they buy mm-hmm. it, they drive it for two or three years. That's the sort of lease strategy is, is you want something new, you want to enjoy it while it's under warranty or whatever. We don't care about warranty. You know, we want to throw a big turbo on it and stuff. So yeah. So that depreciation curve, you know, there's a sweet spot. And I, you know, I just figured it out when I was, I I was, you know, came from a really poor family, but I figured that out, you know, I loved cars. So I figured out, oh, I see these cars, you know, dropped like where they're 5,000 bucks. And then, you know, five years later, that car is 15,000 bucks. And then it's 20,000 and then it's 50,000. And so there's, there's been enough of this and I've been doing this for 20 years now. And so I've been fortunate enough to just, uh, you know, flip and flip and flip last and and some examples would be like you know last year i was at an auction in a uh 94 i can't even remember what year it was now but 94 legend rolled up on the auction block and it was like a one owner trade unbelievably good car and uh you know i paid maybe 10 percent of what it was worth and and so just knowing that market and kind of being aware of that you can uh, every every one of us would like to own a well maybe not every one of us but would like to own a clean Acura Legend or some interesting car. There's no Acura Legends left. Yeah, uh, you know LS 400 or uh, <clears throat> you know even Miatas now are on the way back up. And so, uh, well, I think what happens with those enthusiast type cars like the Porsche, you know the 911. I know it happened to and and the Miatas and stuff. 944s even they all turn into race cars. Yep. Yeah. For a decade or more, and then all of a sudden it's like, holy crap, where are they all? They're, they're, they're all they're, gone. They're all gone. And yeah. then yeah, and then you see the prices skyrocket. You start to see people try and turn race cars back into street cars. Um, I mean, anyway. look no further than the, the the Nissan 240s. You know, who would have ever thought that those things would be valuable? But the fact that people have been destroying them for so many years straight now, and they're yeah. kind of rare, especially they to find one that hasn't been into a rare, beat yeah. the crap out of. All of a sudden, you find an S13 that's in like okay shape, no motor, no transmission, eight grand. What the mm-hmm. hell? You know, yeah. that's because it's rare. That's that's yeah. simple economics. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's you know 240 SXs, and I mean, there's examples in every every you know whether you like European or you like Japanese or you like you know classic American. This week, I've looked at almost everything you can think of. This week, I sold. A Honda Beat, which is a JDM import. Uh, I looked at a 65 uh, Thunderbird, which is... Weirdly, those cars have... Everyone that thought those cars were worth money, like, died. So now, like, 65 <laughs> Thunderbirds are cheap again. You know, they're, like, at the bottom of their curve That's again. Interesting. And so, And it's, like, a car that, like, is... For what you get... Now, it's definitely a... It's a specific... That's a niche market, but... There, there again, there's a lot of pretty decent buys on those 390 uh, Thunderbirds. And that's not even my really my jam. But who doesn't want, you know, to rock 
a classic Americana, you know, from time to time. So I think you just got to keep your eyes open. If you know inherently because you love car, all of us who are listening to this podcast, love cars, cars, eat, sleep, breathe cars. You you kind of just have the ability to know when, when there's a good deal. As far as like, uh, Mike asked before we started, like kind of what, what I do, um, a lot of what I do is troll on the internet. Mm-hmm. And w- a lot of times, the stuff that I've bought most recently, the last probably five or six things that I've bought or that I've made offers on, like I've got an offer out right now on a 944 Turbo that's uh, one of three in the color combo. In the, in, and I'll probably end up with that car. But it's weird when uh, – so one of two things happens. If, a, if an individual decides to sell a car, they decide, you know what, I'm, I want my next car, and this car, it's time to jettison and, and get it out the door. That's one thing. And you want to see, if they've had it listed for, say, 120 days, they right. want to sell They want to sell this car. They're done with this car. Same with a, a dealer. Most dealers have floor plans. And no matter how right they are in the car, it kind of doesn't matter. You've got you've to turn that inventory. Apparently. So, And if, you're, if you've got the money, you hold all the cards, essentially. And so, you know, with my Maserati Grand Sport, uh, it was a car that had been on a lot for a long, you know, like it had been in their inventory for like uh, almost 200 days. And it was the last day of the year, which for dealers, they want to really, because they got to pay taxes on stuff that they've had right. they've held mm-hmm. across the year. And so I offered 20 grand, about $20,000 less than what they were asking and got the car. Oof. And so that car, I've okay. enjoyed Hang on. Now, how do you do that? What is your strategy? I know that you know a lot about a lot of cars, which is the first, this is a game and you have to know the rules, right? So like that would be advice to people. But like, how do you approach, how do you just have the balls to approach a dealership and say, yeah, I'm going to offer you 20 grand. So I think you can't, you can't be too in love with the car until you have it. So I think for me, when, when I'm on the hunt, I try to get enough in love with the car that I want it, but not enough in in love with the car that I'm depressed for six months if I don't get it. So like with that car, there were several that I was looking at and that particular one, I, it it had under 20,000 miles and it had just had a clutch service and, you know, like everything that you, you know, I checked all the boxes. Um, and, and I just, honestly, I, I didn't really want to spend that much money at that point, but it was so cheap. I was like, what's the number that if they accepted it, I, I would not be able to say no. And I just right. picked that number. And so I think there's part of it. I come from a, a, I did a lot of, I've done a lot of sales over the years. And so you can't really be afraid of having someone say no. Right. I mean, you're going to hear no. You're not going to get every car that you try to buy. And you kind of get, I mean, I've got a rhythm to it now where I kind of, uh, um, like, cars that I'm probably going to, you know, hope to pick up this week, there's a 944 Turbo. That's going to be a maybe a maybe a go-to-the-collection car. There's a RX-7 uh, convertible 1989 that is probably going to be a bring-a-trailer thing uh there's a um a wagon that i bought uh before the end of the year that you know i paid i paid five grand i probably shouldn't say this on this podcast but i uh it's okay. know, I, I think i paid a real i got a really good deal on this wagon it's going to go to bring a trailer 
And so I think that it's that sort of thing. It's like you want to enjoy these cars and you want to have that. Because a lot of us look at these Instagrammers or, or whatever and are like, man, how, how do they live this life? I mean, I think a lot of them are churning and burning on cars or are, you know, most people aren't like just ridiculously wealthy. I'm not like ridiculously wealthy, but I've chosen to set aside some funds that rather than investing in a 401k, mm-hmm. so those funds multiply via cars. Well, and, and so, I have I, I have noticed that guys that are listening, like the, you know, some of my dad's generation of car buddies that do collect, the money stays in a separate car collecting pot. Like, you know what I mean? Like, so they've started from the bottom, like most people have, or somewhere, and they built cars and they've sold cars. And you know, I have one of my dad's buddies, like Porsche wanted to buy a Porsche from this guy. You know, wow. so like, yeah, they oh, wanted awesome. they wanted it back and they were going to get it. So, wow. you know, like, you, but, and the guy gets like astronomical money. But, and I'm trying to get my head around like, oh my gosh, how, like how, you know, you make that kind of money, what does that feel like? And he goes, well, it just, it, it's the pot. It goes back yeah. in and then I invest in something else or something else I've always wanted, you know what I mean? And, and, and so he's like, Basically, the car collecting money stays in the car collecting little account over here, and and that's the way that they roll. So, I mean, it, it does. It seems insurmountable at the beginning, but you know, if you kind of build over over generations or whatever, yeah, eventually you get to that point. That's how Jay Leno did it. He's talked about it numerous occasions, but he well, that in a talk show that makes no. He didn't use any of his talk, he's, he didn't use any of his talk show money. So no. he only used, he, he has never bought a car with talk show money. He's bought all of his cars. He's real proud of this if you ever meet him. Uh, yeah. It's like he tells everybody the story. So, I mean, I know that you probably all, a lot of people probably heard I have this, not heard but, yeah. but he only used his comedy money. So, like when he would do a stand up or whatever, that, all of that, he had a deal with his wife. Like all of my stand up money, once they kind of got to where they were, you know, not broke. Yeah. The stand-up money went into the, the car fund. That's and cool. so, you know, he, he's made, and he made a lot of great car decisions. And you don't, you know, when you're buying McLaren F1s for $700,000 and then they're worth $14 million, you, mm-hmm. you don't have to make a ton of great decisions <laughs> before. You, I mean, you only have to do that once oh. or twice. Yeah. You know? And so for me, I mean, it's more like, just to give people hope, I mean, literally, I started with like fifteen hundred dollars, three thousand dollars, and you know, trade after trade after trade. There was a, a forty four, nine forty four turbo that right at the beginning, before those kind of popped, before they went crazy, that I bought. I, again, I, I'm a little fuzzy. I'd have to look it up, but either I, I either paid sixty five hundred or seventy five hundred dollars for it and sold it for twenty five thousand. So if well, you do that yeah. once, all of a sudden. You know, that's a at that you time of my a life. Cool pro, a cool car in the process while exactly, you have it. Exactly. Yeah. And I drove that car to Formula One. I just found a really cool picture of that car uh, at at a, the 01 or 02 Formula One race with me and a bunch of friends. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, that car ended up having great stories for me and then having great stories for someone else. And that guy that bought that car probably sold it for 35000 yeah you you know i mean it it just well and i think the moral is like you've got to live it you know and i think a a 
a lot of our our readers in the magazine they do live it and then there's a lot that are on the verge of like man i really want to go all in but i've got the world pulling me telling me to grow up or whatever but like uh, you know i attribute a lot of s3's success and the cars that i have now and stuff like that just from i'm so immersed i'm so like involved in this and living it that things happen and you start to learn things about i don't know everything about any car but i know a lot about a lot of cars you know what i mean i know a lot like surface Mm -hmm. deeper than surface stuff about a lot of different cars and so i think the first step guys you know listening is that yeah you really need to you know like when you're up at night whatever playing online like turn this into a game start realize that you know already there's a lot of things that you know and you just haven't like made it conscious like I guarantee you a lot of people out there know like you just get a vibe of when certain cars are the right time to do certain things like uh, my 911 and I'll share prices just because I think it inspires people like that car came my way through somebody went to my dad they were selling this 79911 it was $8,500 my dad's initial thing is man $8,500 you can get at least 12 for that like today you know and this was six, seven years ago or whatever, you know, before the mm-hmm. 9-11s went up. And then he called me and mm-hmm. he said, I know you're about to have your first child and this makes me a terrible father for even putting this in your head. But this guy came to me with this car that he wants to, you know, he's an old ex-fighter pilot and he just can't get in the car anymore. He was in like his later 80s. Um, wow. Yeah. And he That's was an awesome. awesome guy, man. He had had it since 85 a buddy of his had brought it in from the military, had shipped it from Germany and everything. So anyway, $8,500. My dad had convinced him he can get 12 in a day. And then he goes back to this guy the next day and says, hey, about that $8,500. You know, my son would really like to have that car. Um, you know, and, and the guy was like, well, that's what, that's what I want. That's what's important. I want somebody that's going to have the car and enjoy the car. And, and, you know, I know Porsche is part of your family and, and all that kind of stuff. So just tell them, sell whatever cars, because I had to sell a couple cars to come up with $8,500, you know, and, and he was like, just tell them, go ahead and sell it. You know, I'll hold it for them. But I, I, that, I got off topic. But the point is, I just had a feeling. I mean, those cars had been $8,500 to ten grand for a long time. And I had always been in the mindset of like, but my Eclipse will just walk all over those things. Why would I want to mess with that old Porsche? And then something, I felt a tide change. I felt that kind of change in the air. And I was like, man, I feel like I need to get this car. I feel like it's the right thing to do, you know, and, and, and I, I need to do it now before I have a child, as dumb as that sounds, because afterwards, who knows, you know, like, so, uh, yeah, I got the car, $8,500. And within what a year and a half after that, it was thirty. Now I think now I now I would say thirty-five is fair for that yeah. car, and I wouldn't sell it for thirty-five, honestly. Maybe because, more. Yeah, maybe more. It is. I a, get hit. I get hit with nine elevens are stupid, man. Well, I get hit with expensive prices on nine elevens. Yeah, and it's tobacco metallic, which is kind of it's like it's a total, the color. It's, I mean, it's brown and it's hot right now, you know. And it's the one that if the right person sees it, would be like, I want that one. But that's all part of it. That's all part of the collectability game. When I first saw that car, we were on the way. I was like, what color is it? And my dad was like, I don't know. I was like, why should it be stupid brown or something? And then I I saw it, and it was brown. I was like, figures. Wait a second. That's actually pretty awesome, you know? And, 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 yeah, so, I mean, you know, just following my gut 
And I really didn't come out of pocket for that car. I sold two broken cars that I thrashed to get fixed, got them fixed and sold them off. And, um, you know, the only downside for somebody like me is I have where I fail at this collecting game. I keep everything. So like, yeah. like the smart thing yeah. would to sell that car a year ago or something like that a year and a half ago. I didn't do it because I know that if I sell that car, I can't buy it again. You know what I mean? Like if I, I will say for for me, I'll, I'll say this that I usually try to buy cars, certain cars, and have an uh, like the goal is to sell the car. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I'll buy cars though, and the goal isn't to sell the car necessarily. The goal is to really love the car, enjoy the car as much as I can. Right. And 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 something happens when you really love a car. That like with my nine eleven, the nine nine six. I loved that car, and there was I was not interested in selling it at all. Well, all of a sudden, it, it almost made it more desirable to to people in the Porsche Club. Like it was yeah. like, man, Tim's car, like the spec of it was really unique, and it was like there's not another one. So I mean, the numbers just kept creeping up and creeping up. And if I would have kept it, it would only be worth more now than even when I sold it. And so for me, like with I never ever wanted to sell my V8 Esprit ever. Like the last thing I wanted to do was sell that black car. I mean, I literally worked with fifteen fifty two for like a year to get those concave tarmacs. Right. It's it's still the only. I mean, they're so expensive because they're forged and it's a one off CAD file. Like, you know, that stuff is you just get that's like lunatic stuff, mm -hmm. and all of a sudden you end up with this money in the car. Well, then the car's worth. That car had a life of its own. I started getting like messages like, hey, I'll buy it for this. I'll buy it for this. And the people that had the car, that had the money to buy that car, like also had, you know, like, uh, cr like crazy money. Like the people I was talking to were like, their other car was a Senna yeah. or, a, you know, like real crazy. Yeah. So, you know, all of a sudden that car was worth not to just one buyer, but potentially, you know, multiple buyers like more than any other esprit like probably not the record but there, there's one that sold for more but like the highest priced esprit you know in the world <laughs> literally yeah. on earth so yeah. and i think that something happens like with your 911 i mean i think the more there's you know magazine coverage or the more you show up to shows and it's just like you know clear that there's such a deep love you know the the worst case scenario is you get to own this amazing car for the rest of your life. The yeah. best case, you know, best case scenario or the same, maybe, maybe even the same level of goodness is like someone walks up to you and is like, you know, that car is just literally, I love the story. I like, you know, your part you've played in the car. I like the, I like everything about it. Here's, you know, 60 grand. And at that point you're, you may even, even for that, you'd be like, well, uh, it, I, I, and that's kind of where I'm at. It's like, you know, yeah. most of the cars, I had someone recently try to buy my yellow Coupe Quattro. I looked at kind of where the market was. Those have probably tripled in value since I bought it. And honestly, even at triple what I paid for it, it's not, I'm not really interested in selling it. Yeah. It's not particularly you know, fast. You ever get that, or, like, when you get a high offer on your car, just the offer is so rewarding that it makes you not want to sell it. <laughs> you know what I mean? It has this, it has this weird, although yeah. Mike always says I'm allergic to money. But, but yeah, that's, if somebody were to go, I'll give you 60 grand right now for the car, I'd be like, now wait, wait, wait. This yeah. means a lot to me, even more 
if I refuse your 60 grand. Yeah. What other investment could you take $8,500 and turn it into 60 grand? Come on. Well, that's I mean, what I'm saying. But, but that's I, the thing, what Mike's talking about is what other investment could we take $8,500, turn it into 35 grand in a few years, mm -hmm. and get to drive a 911 in the process? That's what I'm saying. Consistently, you can't. Like, first, stocks, so many people, so like, you could do stocks and day trade. I like, okay. I don't particularly, I'm not good at that. I've tried it. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I've made, you can make some money doing that. But the fun of the the cars I own currently, it's like the list of stuff is just, when I think about it, it's my personal list. So for, for a lot of the listeners, it might not be that list. But for me, it would literally, I remember playing Gran Turismo 1 and Gran Turismo 2 and just building this garage and being really good at Gran Turismo. And all of a sudden you've got, you know, 50 cars in your garage and it's like the baddest FTO and the baddest yeah. R32 and, you know, all these, all these things. And so I literally, I have, you know, I have the R32 that I always wanted from Gran Turismo. That's in yeah. my real life garage and yeah. it's parked next to the Maserati that I always wanted. It's parked yeah. next to the Lotus. It's parked next to all these. So I literally have built the, the Gran Turismo garage in real life. Now it, yeah. it may not be the awesome. same for everyone else but like all of every one of those cars like what i've paid for the car it, it is radically below what the car is worth because of what we started this conversation with is understanding that depreciation curve and you called it a you, what did you say with your you got a feeling or you felt a vibe with your 911 yeah. there is like a tingle like this rx7 when i when my son showed it to me i was like oh we we're, i'm gonna buy that car right Just because it's like, like yeah, it's the last one that survived. Like that's what I, I feel like. People need to learn to listen to that because as car guys, we all have it. But sometimes you don't know how to speak that language of the tingle. You know what I mean? And like yeah, yeah, yeah. when you, I mean, like as dumb as it sounds, like I've got this this F one fifty that I, you know, you guys might have seen it on social media. It came my way. I got it for a dollar. Well, the I'm I'll give you. Even, I'll give you ten. I'm, that's what I mean. I'm not in love with the car yet. But the response of people, I got a text from the marketing guy at Koenig Wheels that was like, blah, blah, blah. Oh, by the way, dude, that truck is sick. And it's coming from all over. The marketing guy at Holly, that truck is sick. You know, he's like, you thought about bringing it to SEMA maybe with Holly? I'm like, what? Have you seen it? You know, like, it's not, it's not there. But like, you can feel this energy around the car. And I know the square body Chevy trucks have already shot up, which is a whole different topic of like, now we're in a era where it's not only just the old european cars that are valuable it's the four by fours and the trucks and the mm -hmm. import the Dude, you know, roadmasters uh, roadmasters weird stuff um, like the crazy stuff 2000 trans ams are taking off and stuff like oh there's a lot of weird stuff happening it's not just the old firebird formulas yeah I just, like i just yeah. looked at this firebird formula i might end up with it too but like there's <laughs> so many cars where it's like that that cars that were five thousand dollars or three thousand dollars forever, yeah, all of a sudden are twenty five thousand yeah. dollars, and you yep. can still find them for five thousand so, dollars. So I mean, yeah. I'm not like I can't buy them all. So what I'm saying to the you know whether it's ten people listening or a thousand people listening or how whoever sees this, yeah. I've, I've said this now for like two three years because I don't feel like I mean I definitely don't feel like knowledge or wisdom or anything is never something that I've ever wanted to like hide or you know keep for myself and be like oh i figured this out like <laughs> screw all y'all you know it's not like that i mean it's it's literally like 
man, I'm like really, really fortunate because again, I, I, I get, I drive the, I have the coolest 401k. I'm not saying I, you know, I think that it's a good idea to have savings and mutual funds. And I mean, essentially we kind of are giving financial advice here. So it's like, I'm not suggesting take all of your money and, and put it over here. But I do think, uh, the guy that started Axis Wheels and he started Claus Ettenberger Corporation is a, is a guy named James. And I, and I met him years and years ago. He probably doesn't even remember it. But we're, you know, we're like associates. I wouldn't call us friends, but we're social media friends. And he, you know, he started with nothing. He just shared this, this uh, story uh, the, uh, yesterday on his Facebook page where he had, he had uh, was fortunate. Finally, saved up all this money. Got this BMW 850 manual transmission back in the day, like back when we were new. Yeah, and mm-hmm. really was he was working a job, making good money, but he felt like he felt like he needed to to go out on his own and do his own thing and start you know a wheel company or do whatever. And so he sold that car, and for the first two years, he he drove a Tacoma with no air conditioning and no radio. Nice. And I I think there's something to be said for sometimes you do need to go all in. So if you do, if, if you're hearing this and you're like, huh, okay, like I've, I've got that tingle. The, uh, you know, I've, I, I get it. When I see that car, I know like it is worth more. I would encourage you, like if it's an Integra or it's a whatever, and you're confident that like that car is worth, you know, $15,000 and I can get it for 3,500. You should mm-hmm. get it for 3,500 and you should not sell it until it's really close to, whatever your goal is if it's 15,000 is your target you know you should set a goal you know say you know 12,000 I'm I'm big into like you got to write this stuff down and you got to you got to hold yourself to it and say like I my thing was I was going to have an esprit by I was 25 and and I did but I wouldn't have if I hadn't hustled and I hadn't you know sort of listened <clears throat> to my yeah, yeah I don't know whatever the that inner voice of like you know, I'm totally car. opposite. I'm with you on the inner voice, but the writing stuff down. No, yeah. I'm just like a uh, Mike writes stuff down. I'm in a Mike, dude Mike, in an inner. I'm a list guy. Yeah, yeah. I'm Mike. basically the dude in the inner. I'm literally down the river. If you just combined, go, oh this. If you combined you and Mike, you get me. I mean, essentially, like you're. I'm. I'm. I'm kind of down the middle of. Theoretically, if you combine me and Mike, you should be able to have a pretty successful company. <laughs> You'll be super creative and yeah. really damn smart and yeah. handsome. Tim, I got a quick question. Yeah. Um, on average, how long are you keeping these cars before you flip them for a profit? Yeah. Is there a number or is it just. Mm, yes. So there's two different things there's a short and there's a long. You know? Okay. I think mostly what we're talking about is for the what we talked about earlier, we talked about cars that are kind of coming out now or cars that are. You know, I don't think if you want to make a couple thousand dollars, you can do a really intelligent buy on like a 996 or any of these 80s and 90s cars, trucks, vans, you know, anything that's like a survivor from that era. You can probably buy intelligently if, if again, if you're right on the money and make 1500 bucks or two grand short. On the long, like the the, the Lotus or the 911, older 911, uh, there's certain cars that I've bought and where I've kind of cashed in is, is the long. And so the short would be you buy a car, say you buy a $3,500 car, like my, the Legend was a good example. So that Legend I mentioned first, 
you know, that was a car. My goal was to sell it in 30 days. I sold it in like 60 days or maybe closer to 75 days. My, my, I, what I bought it for and what I sold it for, my target was $7,500. And I think we sold it for, we like almost tripled our money. So it wasn't what like, what did you a, buy that car for? Like two, 1800. Okay. I mean, it was like, you couldn't replicate that deal. Um, so that would be a short and it would yeah. be a pretty successful short. Uh, a long would be like that 944 I referenced earlier right. where I bought that car and enjoyed it for maybe two years mm-hmm. while it went up in value kind of, you know, and, and, and I didn't really, you know, it was, it had been maintenance and service. So there wasn't really any, I think I had the wheels refinished so that they, you know, they looked good. I, I put a set of, um, I think, either rough or ats uh roof i guess you'd probably say but but a set of other wheels that i liked on it i think i might have lowered it too but uh and, I, and then I, I took a picture set that was like totally stock and the way i liked it posted them both and that that car again two years but i what did i make you know so that's double triple so almost almost quadrupled my money on that car right yeah so another thing that you guys need to know about Tim is he knows every problem with every car ever. I can call him and be like, <laughs> 2011 BMW 550, whatever. And you'll be like, oh, well, that one has an issue with the, you know, like, like yeah. his, his pool of knowledge is insane. And you also use that, right? Not to make you sound like too shrewd, but I've heard, <laughs> I've heard you telling me on the phone, like you use that knowledge. I don't want to say to scare sellers, but yeah. just to explain to sellers, maybe well, a little bit. I think didn't you do that on like a 500 SL or something? Where you like was like, now listen, man. I don't know if you know, but this car has this issue. It, this issue. Oh, you always got to know. If I mean, that goes wrong, it's gonna eat you, man. And all of a sudden, trying to sell your car for five grand is gonna turn into having to put ten into it. You know what oh, I mean? Oh, that is. I did. That was a good example. That's a good example of a short. So a buddy yeah. of mine called me. Uh, this is last year. We're gonna do. We're about to do this again. In fact, I've been shopping for this car again this year is uh, the $2,500 challenge. So my buddy was like, hey, let's buy $2,500 cars by this weekend and then take them on a 2,500-mile <clears> road trip. So on Wednesday, he calls me and tells me this. By Friday, I had the car. And so it was, I mean, I found the exact right car, the exact right buyer. But that car broke on the trip, not because it was inherently a bad car, but because it hit a... We hit, we hit a road debris, and it took out the fuel pump assembly, essentially, in the middle of South Dakota. Right. And so, but even fixing that car, I still sold it to a friend, and he knows this because he's watched the episode of Tim's Enthusiast <laughs> Garage and, and, and knows I paid $2,500. I think I put $300 in the fuel pump and you know, sold it to him for $4,200. So that was an example of a short where... Bought the car on Wednesday, drove it 2,500 miles over the weekend, sold it three weeks later, and made a little bit of money. Not like a crazy mm-hmm. amount of money, but yeah, yeah. for some people, including myself, I mean, who, who couldn't use an extra grand or two? So it's, and everybody, I mean, I think what I'm saying is like, every, all of us could do that. I mean, you guys could do the $2,500 challenge and probably sell it for $4,000, you know, whatever that goal target is now you could buy a $2,500 car and on the short sell it for 10 grand. But if, if you're trying to do this, 
like vocationally, like actually do it as a job, which I'm not suggesting you should. But if you were trying to do that, it's hard. It gets hard to really be picky and choosy. Like if at some point you just have to buy something. When right. I first started doing this, it was actually for five or six years. All I did was sell cars, and it got really hard. And you end up buying something that like you don't have that feeling about. Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It just the book says the numbers right, so you buy it. And then you're not really passionate about it. And I never, that was not, I just never enjoyed that. Like to me, that's just being car dealer guy. It may as well be stocks at that point. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, okay. You were talking about earlier the depreciation curve. And just to recap, in case you guys missed it, like every car has an initial value. That value is going to go down. And then if it's the right car, it'll go back up. Um, so what cars right now do you think are at the absolute bottom of that little roller coaster dip and are about to go back up? Like, what do you have your eyes on right now? So right now, uh, uh, you know, a lot of different stuff. Stuff I mentioned, stuff I didn't mention. So like Hi. that R- RX-7 that I'm looking at. Which is an FC, right? Uh, FC, not the FD. The FDs are kind of weird. Although FD imports, FD JDM stuff is ridiculously undervalued relative to FD, you know, cars that were brought in for this market. So, like, uh, there, there's so much stuff available. I would encourage everybody that's into JDM, actually import it yourself. Like, get to know someone that's over in Japan that goes to the auctions every week and no, because the the difference in what you can buy the stuff for over there, and and import it yourself and have like twelve hundred dollars in fees, versus buying something from someone else that's imported it and giving them essentially five or six grand in profit, like you you can you, you can do this, so you can import a car. So that's one thing, but yeah, the FC RX sevens are there's so few nice ones left. That like when you when you see those, those are kind of no brainers. Uh, Five hundred SL Mercedes are dirt cheap. They're, uh, you know, they're 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 right on that cusp of when they break out, they're going to break out pretty aggressively. Mm-hmm. Um, anything any, AMG, right? You're a big AMG. Anything AMG, uh, AMG yeah. stuff because they partic- tank, man. Yeah, like, they, I mean, cheap. yeah. The European thing is always interesting because. They tank so hard and they get when the bottom of the depreciation curve is so low on those cars, like you would never think that an eighty thousand dollar car could be three thousand dollars, but like, within but, like ten years. Yeah, but yeah. it happens yeah. and, and they it's not it's a real brief time and then they kind of creep up. Now again on the short, it's not like you're gonna buy one of those cars and then next year quadruple mm-hmm. or trip, you know. You're not going to mm-hmm. knock it out of the park like that, but mm-hmm. on a on a worst case scenario, if you would have bought an E55, uh, like a 2000 E55, uh, you know, a year ago for four grand, those are already back at nine or ten or eleven or twelve. Yep. Yeah, easily. That that was the car so, that you kind of made me fall in love with last time we did this. Yeah, he's and I'm still, still kind of kicking myself like, in the ass for not buying them because they were stupid cheap. Like to I the know. point where it was like hilariously cheap. I know I'm not and like I don't lie about this. This is like yeah. straight talk. Like <laughs> BMW M5s, like I I honestly hate that car, but they are so 
What, which one are we talking about the here? V, the V10. Fan? The yeah. V10. They're yeah. so cheap. Even manuals are so cheap that it's it's crazy. Like if you but look that's at just whole, a game of roulette, right? It, what it is a game is it, of if, roulette. But if you wanted to own that car, yeah. I don't. I, I for me, it's not. It's not my jam. But those are going to go back up. So you got to think they're so rare that it's like I, I mentioned that. You know, I think there's a lot of stuff like that. I just did that episode of of my top five, and my top five were. Maybe I shouldn't give this away because you should watch my video. But I'll give you like the two bottom ones. Honestly, are uh, one is Land Rover Discoveries. Mm-hmm. You can still get those for nothing. Here's a good example. So the Land Rover Discovery is a great example. You can go on Facebook Marketplace and find a Land Rover Discovery for like fifteen hundred dollars. To be clear, which one are we you, talking about? The one with that weird top corner window that pops out when you yeah. It? So there's a Series One, a Series Two, and then a Series Two and a half. Yeah. Honestly. All of them collective series ones have already started to go up a little bit, so it's unlikely that you're going to find one of those for fifteen hundred bucks. But a series two, like a ninety nine, two thousand, you definitely there's still che- cheap ones out there. There's also ones you should definitely avoid. I mean, you should. This is a car I put. Uh, there's a lot of information on my video that like you know you need to check a lot of different systems out on that vehicle. <laughs> you should. You you could totally hose yourself. If yeah. you don't know what you, if you don't have a passion for that, you should not just go buy it. Don't dive into the, yeah. yeah, yeah. But but they're so cheap that any t- and this is a good example. It's like two years ago, Land Cruisers, uh, like '96 uh, Land Cruisers were mm-hmm. like free. They yeah. were just absolutely free. But at the same time, you could see really nice ones selling for like thirty. So mm-hmm. anytime there's a dispar- a disparity in the market where it's like. You know, here's a here's a car for two grand. Here's that same car for twenty grand. That should tip you off that like something's going now, on. Now, yes, there's a difference between those two cars, but sometimes there's not. Sometimes you find rich guy that had that discovery in his garage for the last ten years. He's only had it serviced by Land Rover. There's no frame rust. Everything is perfect, and he's like, eh. Because Auto Trader and all KBB and all those are slow to update their mm-hmm. their their money. So that car, if you look up the value, you know it's still thirty five hundred dollars for a mm-hmm. you know a good condition SE seven. Okay, well I'll give you thirty five hundred dollars for your mint condition truck. I'll drive it for a year, enjoy it, and sell it for fifteen thousand dollars. So that's one example, and that's an example that's cheap and and available. Now again. If you if you think Land Rovers are the worst vehicles ever made, and you're partially right, mm-hmm. you should not you should not look at that vehicle. My number two vehicle also is one of those cases where if you don't have a passion for this car, you should not necessarily go down this road. But it's the Volkswagen Corrado. The Volkswagen Corrado is real rare in the states. There's only like uh, a few thousand G60s, and there's there's only a few thousand. I think maybe four four or five thousand. VR6s ever, you know, imported total total production, and they're really starting to. You're seeing that like five thousand dollar Corrado, forty five thousand dollar Corrado, and and, mm-hmm. and so you know they're they're really the same car. Parts are fairly cheap for them, and as a collector car, I say this in the video is like I don't suggest that you go buy a Discovery or a Corrado and daily drive it you should not do that both of those will break your heart but as a car that you're going to either buy and enjoy you know put a few hundred miles on a year maybe even a thousand miles a year or just buy to flip 
both of those are crazy good. There's there's a lot of money to be made on both of those right yeah. now. So those are two examples, and they're they're a little bit out there. Um, as far as other stuff that's coming down, that maybe is more that's newer. Mike mentions newer stuff, so I'll I'll mention one that's way out there and similar to like a Ford Focus, but. Um, we never got that that uh and i don't know my ford ford focus generations but what's the uh the colin mccray generation uh, ford focus is that uh is that the first generation ford focus i don't i don't know i'm bad with my i apologize ford focus fans but those cars had in europe the rs was like a five-cylinder turbo well that same drivetrain got put in to the volvo c30 uh-huh. I don't uh-huh. know if you're familiar with the Volvo C30. The this car is a real crazy looking hatch. Yeah. The yeah. hatch is like flat and glass and, and mm-hmm. real unique looking car. But they those are manual transmission, five cylinder turbo, kind of cool cars. They make a lot of there's a lot of aftermarket parts for them. Mm-hmm. And they're, you know, wholesale's like three grand, retail's like five or six grand. And that's a car that there's so few of them out there. And again, a lot of them were kind of disposable. Most of them were not manual transmission. So buying like a sixty or seventy thousand mile one of those, and holding on to it and just enjoying it, showing up at the cars and coffee, in a car that no one else there has. The C30 mm-hmm. is a weird, rare car. Having that five cylinder brap brap, you know, what it, with however you want to set it up, you know, put an intake on it, throw some boost at it, you know, that's a car that kept reasonably you know stock or or made into if it's not an r r design or whatever that hot version was they made you know that car probably will double in value over the next few years you think if not shorter time period yeah because it's really i don't think a volvo is like uh well they made like in the 80s and 90s they made these bertone coupes uh-huh. And those really nice Bertone coupes are now like at RM auctions and, you know, are, are really? doing, doing real money. Again, this isn't a car I'm saying you're going to like buy a C30 and it's worth $50,000. But yeah. it is a car you can buy for really cheap, five or six grand, and potentially own for a few years, maybe not spend. It's just like the third or fourth car sure. and sell it for 10 grand or even sure. flip it yeah. in the short term for a little bit. So, again, we're getting a little bit out of the field, but there's certain newer cars like that that are nearing the bottom of their depreciation curve. Abarth, uh, Fiat, I was just, we, at the beginning, we were talking about these uh, Fiat 500 Abarth. 500. Mm-hmm. You know, those cars, they, they made a lot of them. They're Italian. I mean, clearly their Fiat Chrysler heritage is, is a little bit less Italian than it should be, but um, they're cool little cars. They sound cool. They're fun to drive. They're turbo. They're, you know, all most of the, I think all the Abarths are manual. And their wholesale, I'm seeing them really stupid cheap, like 60, 70,000 miles and three grand. Woo. So, <laughs> uh, you know, you all cart money, man. You, man. That's what I'm saying. You almost can't say no. Now, I'm not saying you're going to buy that and necessarily make money on it, but it is that is the yeah. bottom of the, it's the bottom of the so, depreciation curve. And that car, you're not, it's you're not going to lose that money because there's if you if you bought that car new say you really like that car and you bought one for 20 grand well it's three grand now you just lost you know a lot of money 17 grand so i guess the question in a situation like that would be like will a car like that ever actually 
turn and go back up in value, or is it just yeah, like bottomed like, out and that's yes, the end no, of that for car's sure, life? For sure, they will be worth money mm. eventually on the long, but you're talking like 15 years. Or so more. I'm not suggesting, like, or maybe even longer than that, like but maybe was, not. Maybe not, because it is a unique, that particular car, is a, it, it, it's the first car that sort of re, rebirthed the Abarth name. The, all of them are going to be destroyed by kids. So, you know, 10 years from now, there will be 16 left. And if you have a low miles original Abarth, it maybe even has a couple mods on it. I can totally see that car being a $20,000 car again. Yeah. Hmm. For sure. I, again, See, I'm not saying that. Like, and I've fallen into this, but there's a, there seems to be a difference between a collector car and a cult classic car. Um, I give the example of the Abarth as like a car that in 10 years, people are going to be like, dude, I want one of those, but not willing to pay for it. You know, just like. Well, not, just yeah, like, I don't think, I don't think it's, you're not going to, it's not going to be like. Uh, 10 years. Uh, yeah. It, and it's not going to be a car that like, so what that car costs new, I don't think it's going to radically accelerate above what it costs new ever, even if there's only 16 left. But what do you? But think I am saying that on the short term, there are a lot of. It's an interesting car to have and enjoy, and it's a car that you won't necessarily lose your butt on because it's at the bottom of the depreciation curve. So again, where there's like a short and a long. This is not a good example of a of a long I, I right. bring those I bring those two particular cars up in that Mike was saying like what what's a newer car that you can buy and, and that's going to be a collectible like the a newer car that you could have bought that it that, that would be a collectible would be like uh the BMW 1M is a really good example you know those cars mm -hmm. were uh, 45 to 50 thousand dollars new they have never gone below 45 or 50 thousand yeah. dollars and a good one is 70 thousand still Mm -hmm. So, and I can seriously see that car being not like one of the homologation cars from the 80s necessarily and being worth $200,000, but I can see that being almost like a Porsche GT3 where it just, it, it, it just never depreciates. Yeah, immediately you know? just goes. Yeah. yeah. We had a friend that had one that, yep. that got great it. Cars. And yeah, never lost a cent on it. Just started making mm -hmm. money from the second he got it. Um yeah, I was just going to say, I don't know if it's worth talking about, but it's it's interesting to me how there are a lot of those cars, and I've seemed to own them all the time, that are just real cult classic cars. Mark 1 GTIs. Now, I know those have, are going up, but hell, I owned one for 20 years, and I didn't get it till it was 16 years old. It never yeah. went up. The CRX is another one. Everybody wants uh, that car. Nobody pays for the car. I feel like the Fiesta ST is going to go down that road. People will be like, man, that was such a neat car. Well, you got one see, of those? See, the, the CRX and the Rabbit are great examples of what I, why I bring up the Abarth. Really? Is, yeah. Five you got to wait ago, for 40 five years. Five years ago, if you owned a GTI for 10 years, it was still worth what it was worth what you paid uh -huh. you know back in the day gtis now regularly you know but for, it's particularly mark 1 gtis if it's a callaway forget about it but if it's a i mean those are those are worth whatever someone's willing to pay right. but consistently mark 1 and mark 2 cars are in that 20 25 30 35000 dollar range for pris Dean. Not really. A lot of them look at the bring a trailer uh, ended. Like the Shirakos are, you know, most of those had 150, 
160. E30 M3s are a great example. Those cars, there's yeah. there's, there's one uh, Top Gear uh, Porsche has one right now. It's got 175,000 miles. They're asking 62. I mean, that car yeah. new, you're, you're talking that, that, that though I bought an M3 E30, a, like a mint red M3 10 years ago for what was it 10 years ago? Maybe 12 years ago for 10 grand. I mean, you know, so I, I would disagree on the, the, I think, I think, you know, every dog kind of does have its day. And when it's a unique, rare, enjoyable car, CRXs are another great example. Now yours is, yours is pretty modified. And so Mm -hmm. I don't know that like yours necessarily would fall into that category, but like a, a nice HF or a nice SI CRX is, is like stupid, crazy money now. Uh, what I consider to be stupid crazy money. Like, do I think a CRX is worth twenty grand? Not really. Our CRX is fairly regularly. We just detailed one at, at the detail shop. Um, I've got. We just detailed one, uh, and I think he sold it for thirty five thousand dollars. It, it was a. Uh, what? It was an SI, just an SI with like uh, ninety thousand miles. So how'd you find the sucker? Yeah, I didn't. I didn't buy this. Was a, this was just the? This wasn't my car. This was a guy that brought it in to get a detail. Basically, thought he was going to sell it and bring a trailer, but someone that there's guys out there that just collect older Hondas, and it was probably the nicest CRX SI I had seen. This guy had also sold a real nice DX uh, Civic. I mean, you know, they just they aren't there aren't they aren't out there. So like, if you want. The, the world's nicest Scirocco. I'm confused because maybe they're not out there in the in the in the snowy areas, but down here in the south, I can't go anywhere without seeing some guy go by in a 30 year old Honda. So like, probably yeah. what you need to do immediately is go on, bring a trailer, and look at completed <laughs> auctions. They have. I should all start the- buying up all these little old. Library I and mean, civic. Yes. So. If you know where there's a 90,000 mile CRX SI that isn't rusty, that can be presented as a fairly original car, a thousand percent it is real money car right now and only going to go up. What's the ceiling? I don't know. Did I think that, did I think that 911, you know, I sold a 911 RS America mm. that, that I loved that I bought for $30,000. I sold it for 35 or 38. That car now is a two hundred and fifty thousand yeah. dollar car all day long. Did I think that it would be two hundred fifty thousand dollars? If we would have recorded this six years ago, I probably would have told you no. Yeah, I mean that's that's such a stratospheric number. There's nine eleven turbos, nine eleven turbo, a nine eleven turbo is gonna break a million dollars. And this is not like a you, know, you talk about Lotuses; they made three hundred sixty seven Lotus S four S's. You know, Ferraris, F40s, they're making like four times that. And, but I don't know. There just seems to be no limit to what some of these collector cars are worth. And I know there's not exact correlation between CRX, SI, and, you know, F40. But there is a correlation in that, that kids longed to have, mm-hmm. like, let's say an FDRX7. Supra is a great example. I mean, Supras are, 2JZ Supras are so crazy. Original, pristine, manual transmission Supras. 
are literally a hundred thousand dollars. See, that's crazy, right? I don't know. I mean, maybe it is. The only curveball that I see in this like Japanese '80s and '90s collectability is that, especially when it comes to like the Hondas and stuff, they made so many of them. I would agree. And they made them, sorry, so good that, I mean, here we are. And like I said, maybe it's a regional thing and depending on where you live and the weather conditions. But where I live, I see 30-year-old Hondas still very regularly. So I feel like, you know, when, when people, you know, like cars from the 60s, the European cars or whatever, like... They were mechanically pieces of cr- finicky. We'll say finicky. <laughs> I like that. Situations. So a lot of them didn't, they didn't make as many of them, obviously. And then a lot of them, you know, whatever, the, the, me- the mechanics weren't there. And so there's reasons why they became rare. There's reasons why they became these barn finds. Like Hondas just keep kicking. So I think it's going to be 80 years before, like, they really... Now, yes, you're going to have your your right-hand drive. What's what's that Honda... uh, See, this is bad, and and probably not that many people are making it this deep in this podcast, so it's okay. But what are are the uh, four-wheel drive, tall Honda... uh, Wago? Civic. It's a Civic all-wheel drive. Yeah, Wago. Yeah, those those are starting to bring real money. Uh-huh. And, I mean, there's all, all those cars are like regular Accord coupes, like 1986 or 1989 Accord coupes are, are starting to bring real money. I, I, I don't know what, you know, if it's that so many are just trashed that, that mm-hmm. when there's a nice one, I, I don't know. I mean, just everything becomes somewhat collectible and so i'm not i'm not we've gotten into the weeds a little bit maybe but yeah i mean i i feel like i i don't know how to justify some of that stuff myself but i do know that from being constantly watching auction results constantly being at auctions and kind of seeing where cars are going i know that there's a huge difference in what a uh, little small town, you know, you drive through all these little towns in the United States, these small kind of rural places, and what you see, you know, Starions and Conquests and 944s mm-hmm. and all these cars for for sale in these little regional places, you know, for sale by owner, there's still five years ago money. And what yeah. they're selling for online or well presented at nice auctions is is a night and day. I insure all my cars through Haggerty and Haggerty has this thing online called a, it's like a, it basically shows you kind of what cars are worth and what cars are projected to go up in value. Mm-hmm. And it's a great resource because it shows you like, you know, condition and kind of where the history of the car, it has good analytics and kind of where the cars are going. And you would be, I mean, go on Haggerty.com. It's shocking what a lot of these cars that we're talking about, like, not, and it, it could be anything, like 911 turbos or old old Hondas. All of them are just, you know, ratcheting up and ratcheting up. And there's some cars that aren't, you know, going to be good investments. I, I'm not saying that every car necessarily fits this, um, this 
but you, you, you again to get to get back to where we started. You know, yeah. you know, and I think some of it's condition. I mean, for me, I don't, I didn't love the Z thirty one three hundred ZX yet. I own a Z thirty one three hundred ZX, and it's because it was a roadside find, and it was one of those deals where, like, if I offer this guy X amount of dollars and it's so low, he takes it. I own a 300ZX, and now I own a 300ZX. <laughs> and honestly, it's one of those cars that I never really liked. But now that I have it, it's so you like, great. The, well, there's the a lot of cars that, that I, is yeah, like, there's so many cars out there that you kind of just didn't give a second thought to, but they end up becoming very definitive of the era. I think yeah. the Z31, and I've written about this in the magazine, it is like totally 80s. And we didn't realize it at the time because the Z32 came out and you're like, that's the one. Yeah, Forget for his sure. last one. That's for the sure. one because it was so polarizingly different, you know. Um, they gave up everything. They gave up all the angles. It went round. It went, you know. And, and, but, and so everybody forgot about the Z31. But now it's been long enough to where you're like, wow, that really was like a definitive. Everything about that car. Up. There's so many weird 80s things about it that I find it it's so freaking charming. Mm-hmm. And my and my kid who's now old my oldest he's now old enough to to drive. It's of all the cars that I've got, well I wouldn't say it's his favorite, but he likes there's something about that car that he just he always like if he's got a date or whatever, he wants to take that car. And, the, and the girls react to it and it's like it's a weird it's a it's a unique thing that's cheap you can still get those cheap mm-hmm. and i see them like they're 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 creeping up and also thanks to japanese steel or whatever they were using at that time most of those have rusted away most of those i remember a guy that i worked for back in the or, or uh late late 90s mid 90s so at that point the car he had an 87 so the car would have been 12 years old the car was completely rusted out. The floors were rusted out. The sills were rusted out. The fender wells were rusted out. And he ended up junking that car in 98, 99. Yeah. And so I think that you know because of rust, a fair amount of those cars are gone. And it's, it's kind of a bummer because, like you say, uniquely 80s. I, honestly, there's so many... The velour in that car is the most 80s thing I've ever seen. The silver on like all the buttons, there's like it's like a metalized. Yeah. yeah. It's so, you know, it's like one of those radio receivers, stereo receivers from that era was this like silver fake aluminum color. All mm-hmm. the stuff, it's like so 80s it hurts. Mhm. And it Well, it and that's is- the kind of stuff that is going to get valuable. Anything that like absolutely just immediately puts you back in that era of your youth or whatever, you know, even like down to trackers and little things, you know what I mean? Dude, like trackers that, are freaking awesome. Yeah, I know. And they had yeah. the graphics and they had like, you see those things now and you're like, man, I still you- look for trackers. Unfortunately, trackers are starting to like I, my buddy, I've got a house up in Northern Michigan and he keeps a tracker, like a 92 tracker up there. And it's red with pink and uh, yellow graphics on the side of it. Yeah. Top, and it's got the drop top, manual transmission, yep. all wheel drive. And dude, that thing is a freaking party. It's just, it goes through sand, it I hauls kayaks. All those vehicles that had, 
there was a unique time where like a lot of roofs came off. There was a yeah. lot of T-tops, like yeah. the Amigos and the Trackers and all the sports cars yeah. with the T-tops and the SUVs, like their first-gen Forerunners where the backs came off. And Dude, obviously, the, the, the Isuzu V-Cross. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That was, nuts. A, that was like a concept car that they sold. That they actually made. <laughs> like, that thing but anyway, had like yeah. 250 horsepower and like... Yeah, it was like a fast... Like, yeah, it was cool. It was, it was cool, it was yeah. Interesting. But, um... All right. Well, I don't know. We hit that hour mark. I guess we <laughs> with my click. People yeah. either really like this or they're like, man, I don't know. I mean, and I, I think it's if this clicks for one person, like they're gonna walk up to one of us five years from now and just be like, thank you. You, you know, <laughs> I, you, you know what I mean? Like, because if you really listen to this and you get it and you use your spidey well, sense, thing, man. Like, and I you, feel like. In the second half, we started trying to talk about like specific cars, but that's not it. You, it's we got to go back specific. to the first half really to talk about the, yeah. the tingle and the feeling, and that's what you got to kind of follow because there are no rules to this. I mean, there you know, are, there, there what, are cars what? that are obvious. It's like buy a nine nine six today if you ever want one. Yeah. You know, like that kind of a thing. Um, but like, yeah, there's so many kind of outliers you know that can, that can be great z32s i think still are uh are still che- relatively cheap for what it is and so are like uh yeah. dodge stealth and uh mitsubishi uh 3000 gts and imported gtos like those cars are i think undervalued relative to the skylines and and stuff like that i also think like the the z30 so not the r30 r31 the Paul Newman edition R31, which is kind of like before the R32, it's the more square skyline. Yeah, those those mm-hmm. are like limited edition cool cars, and they're st- they're like still cheap really? uh, relative to where like a good R32. There's a lot of like there's a ton like hundreds of crappy R32s that have been in- imported <laughs> that are like fifteen thousand dollars. Like avoid those like the plague. But yeah. really good R32s. I mean, I've seen numerous really low mile v-spec or really low mile just just r32 uh skylines bring like big big money at like actual collector car auctions over the past really year and a half to two years and i don't see those going i mean i think that really good r32 skylines just like you know any of those super iconic cars i don't think there's really a ceiling in yeah. the same way that there hasn't been for 911s it's a it's a different you know the climb rate might be different but if you think about 911s are not rare cars whereas yeah. you know a lot of these other manufacturers even like S2000s are are rarer than some Ferraris and you know AP1 S2000s I've been trying to buy a really rare uh, like uh, Suzuka Blue I think is the one to have the O2 last year the AP1 Suzuka but, Blue yeah, they only made it in O2. Uh, the AP1. I, was, I always thought that was undesirable. Huh. They, well, they only made like it for kinda... O2. Blue on blue, low miles. I yeah. think it's like a serious collectible. Okay. Collectible car. Um, because they're, they're, you can still find them in the low teens, maybe mid teens. And I think that car is headed to 25, 30 grand. It's, it, that's, that's one that you could short or long. That that car yeah. could be a long term. There's so few, and because of the mod scene on those cars, like 
it's a great car to mod. Like it's a great car to make 500 horsepower out of. And if you don't totally chop up the frame and 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 don't do the stance thing, and, and you can still keep the fenders alive, that car could potentially be a car you really enjoy for ten years, and then sell for forty or mm-hmm. something. You know, so yeah. cool, man. We uh we we keep going back to the <clears throat> the nine nine six is kind of the obvious one for sports car guys. Um, how long until you think those really kind of pop well, and start shooting up? Turbos. So regular nine nine sixes. A year ago, I had a yeah. friend that's a car dealer that does kind of what I do, but he's more of a car dealer than I am. He had three nine nine sixes. He paid no more than twelve for any of them. Mm-hmm. He sold them all. You could not. You cannot get a nice nine nine six for twelve grand anymore. They are mm-hmm. the bottom now is kind of like seventeen for a, a nice nine nine six, and they're on the climb. Turbos a year and a half ago at auction were in the high twenties. Turbos now at auction are 40 in a year. And, and those turbos, because if you think about it, I mean, you can make those like borderline Veyron fast. I mean, the, mm-hmm. there's, if it's an X50 car, you know, you, you can get easy 700 horsepower out of that car with, with bolt-ons. There's not many, many cars that are all-wheel drive, 700 horsepower, pretty reliable. You know, they have the Metzger uh you know twin turbo it's a serious that's a serious piece of kit and there there are really nice ones are already tracking over 50 if it goes like the 99 everyone's over the headlight thing now what 996 is forever was like oh the headlights the headlights and and unfortunately magnus walker's onto these things now and so you've got like you've got the the intelligentsia now sort of like preaching how awesome 996s are. Yeah. Jethro, Jethro Bovington did a video about a year ago about how awesome his 150,000 mile 996 was. He, he writes for Evo. Well, and, he said the, the things that people criticized about the um, 996 were going to be the exact things they praise, like the headlights. Well, headlights all of a are sudden, great. Those ugly headlights become the unique headlights. <laughs> All of a sudden, oh, that's the first water cool becomes wait, that's the first of the water cool <laughs> Now this is valuable. You know, it's like you guys are all you know. the funny thing about the headlights. This is the I almost wish you can't really. You wish you could drag someone from like 2010 to here and be like, look, it, you know, you fool. Is yeah. the early headlights? People love the early headlights now. Like the true purists love yeah. the first mm-hmm. generation. Like the launch edition Boxster, the silver and red, uh-huh. all of a sudden are bringing like real money. They're not fast, but they're cool. You know what I mean? Same thing with the 996s. Is like the early C2 996s and early turbo 996s. People all of a sudden are like, oh yeah, that's a cool car. Oh yeah, that car shouldn't be 15 grand. Mm-hmm. I'll take three. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> so. And the bad news is for those of us who could have had it, were we not, you know, is they will not be 15 grand for much longer. So what ticks me off about the 996 is I knew that, you know, like when everybody was still whining about the headlights and the water cool, I was like, man, I I wish I I wish I could do it, you know, because I knew it was going to do it. And then, yeah, Mm -hmm. Magnus gets one. You're like, watch. Watch all this. And he's dragging, you know, he's dragging up the value so hard. Like that yeah, stop, he has, <laughs> he's got the aero spec 
his red one is an Arrow 9961. And Arrow 9961s, like literally one just sold on eBay. A, a, a normally aspirated 996 with like 80,000 miles sold for $29,000. So, I mean, that's not like crazy money, but at the same time, that car a, two years ago was a $16,000 car. And it was, even if it was one of the nicest, you know? So, yeah, it hurts. Yeah, it does. <laughs> it does. I don't currently have a 996. And my video on the 996 didn't help anything. In fact, when I when I published my video on the 996, which basically was like, hey, people, buy 996s right now. Everyone that had the wanted 996 was like, man, you should not have posted this video. Like, yeah. don't tell anyone. Like, we, we're saving right now. I want to get a 996. I remember I was in Monterey for the car <laughs> weekend, and a friend of mine was like, yeah, Magnus just got a 996. I was like, dang. There went the there shut the window yep. on me. <laughs> yep, yep. Like that. There it went. Well, when he bought nine forty four, when he got his nine forty four, you know nine forty four nine forty fours were undervalued and disrespected for so long. And you drive even a regular nine forty four, and you're like, man, this is this is a pretty cool car. Then you drive like an S two. I don't I don't think people realize how cool like the S two oh. is like one of the rarest nine forty fours. Has a three liter four cylinder. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, giant I mean, But like, you were the, you were telling me the other day, you're like, you know, the, the pro, Porsche's big problem is if it ain't a 911, then people just it's the yeah, but it's not a 911. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, Think about crazy. another car company that has that issue. No matter what they make, no matter how cool it is, yeah, but it's not a 911 or it's not yeah. a 911. It's like yeah, but a Boxster. Granted, it's not a 911, and it's got a stupid, emasculating name, you know, or whatever. But yeah. like, it is a very pure to what the early 911s were type of car. I mean, it is, it is a boxsters cool are great. The funny thing about boxsters, and I've seen a couple people talk about this, and I'm reluctant to really make this statement too, is boxsters more so than 944s and like 914s were not loved when they were out at all not loved and were not yeah. loved until about three years ago now 914 prices are absolutely ridiculous mm -hmm. Nine, 914s are slow they're rusty like they're, it's not a car you should be spending fifty thousand dollars for yet people are so with the 944 it's like well the 944 is like a a good car the 968 was a was a pretty good car the 928 is like a good car yeah. So there's that so one will many you too, right? It's it's an expensive car to to maintain, yeah. but I think again the Magnus Walkers are sort of bringing the best 928 is like the first 928. The 79 uh 78 79 80 is like there's no a lot of the crap that they added onto it that broke isn't on that car. It's and lighter. it's lighter, it's lighter and more of them are manual which is a pretty special thing. And so, yeah, you can buy those. And the reality is, it's a Porsche. It's going to be... I mean, I promise you 928s are going to start bringing stupid money. And then GTSs already are early 79s because of, again, these guys like Magnus Walker that, you know, once they say something, it becomes the truth. You know, yeah. early 928s, the, 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 it's kind of out that, like, early 928s are pretty freaking great so how do you think the magnus walkers when i say that i mean the influencers because i'm sure there's one for every 
manufacturer, you know, for every brand or yeah, whatever. Yeah. How is that going to change the collecting game? You know what I mean? Because, like, that's something that, as we were kids, like, there wasn't the internet, you know what I mean? Yeah, that spread yeah. stuff like wildfire. There weren't mm -hmm. influencers <clears throat> like there are today. There weren't the Magnus Walkers to be like, oh my God, Magnus Walker just bought a 944. We all got to go buy now. And now the price went up. You know, it's just like. <laughs> I feel like I'm if you have on... your, your, your hand on the pulse there, then it can really help you as a collector because it'll make the appreciation happen faster. That's true. Because it does. It, it has helped like me with the, no the no one talking about Lotus Esprit and me loving Lotus Esprit. Like, I am not kidding when I say the Lotus Esprit is like one of the best exotic cars of the era. If you drive it back to back with a, a 348 or a 355, 355 is pretty good. But if you drive it against the 348 and a 911 of that era, I choose the, the Esprit every time. Now, I know the Esprit might not be for everybody. But in terms of like rarity, like most people haven't even ever seen one in real life. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, they're just—it's a really rare car, and it's a car that. I think in that's the, the problem with it is not enough people have touched it, lusted after it, written about it, dreamt about it. You know, like so it's. But just, in the eighties, this there. is a four-second four zero to sixty car in the eighties. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's like it's it's mind-bending to think about, Ballsy. like you know, built by hand and all this stuff, and it's like I do think that. You know the reason I was able to to sell the V8, you know, is people. You, you see that video of that car, and you're like, "Oh my god, the V8 is an awesome car." All of a sudden, you're like, "I never realized the Lotus Esprit is an awesome car." This similar car, you know, from Ferrari is selling for twenty times as much. I want to get a Lotus Esprit. Well, the next thing you know, there's not very many of them. There's <laughs> three hundred S4Ss, so like. 300 people decide they really want a lotus yeah that's all of them they're all gone that's it. yeah so yeah what what does that do to the price that's why with magnus walker i think you know with some of the cars that he's done particularly mag there's a cumulative effect with 911s like you've got the singer you know unique bespoke kind of mm -hmm. thing where people are building 911s really rich guys are building 911s for a million dollars or for a million and a half dollars that really mm -hmm. it's just in the details sort of like a bentley where someone spent a week quilting this seat mm -hmm. i mean if you really get off on that okay that's the best 911 to me is the singer 911 drastically better than your 911 i mean in yes. some ways <laughs> in some way well everywhere so i haven't <laughs> driven <laughs> correct but is it is it is it better than in a nice original well, Euro spec 911. I think it's like you're saying. There's two different kinds of Porsche guys. You know, there's the 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 guy that lusts after the Porsche, and then there's Porsche weenies, and then there's pristine yeah. Porsches, and then there's the Magnus Porsches. I'm not saying that his aren't pristine, but like they, none, they aren't. He when drives you look all of his cars. Magnus, and I know he's my my you know brother in dread and all that kind of stuff. But like you look at Magnus. You look at the cars, you look that they have mileage and chips on them, and, and it's it's everything that you're like, yes, that's what the 911 is supposed to be. That's what real sports car is supposed to be. This guy doesn't play by the rules. He lives his own life. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, he doesn't conform to all that kind of stuff. It's the same thing. He brings out that nature of the car, you know, and lets people see that kind of outlaw side of it. Funny how he kind of owns that word outlaw now. but um, Yeah, that's weird. 
Yeah. Yeah. yeah and it's like, and it's, and he's at, has absconded with the Hoyer logo. Yeah. I mean, he literally yeah, took yeah. the Hoyer logo, put the word outlaw on it. And somehow that's not an infringement and no one has a problem with that. I mean, but, more, but, more power to him. Yeah. Probably. I mean, I, yeah, I'm not hating. He kind of, I don't know, man. Like he was just the right image at the right time with that. He's a car. super cool guy. I've heard if nothing you, but awesome things. I it sucks because mm-hmm. I've been in the same place as him a few times from Monterey to Seymour or whatever. But because of my hair, I just cannot go introduce myself because I'm just going to end up being like, I have dreads too. I have a Porsche too. It's good to meet you. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we um, talked about lotuses. He likes lotuses. He's a lotus aficionado. Yeah, well, he's British. Yeah, yeah. His girl has a. They bought an S1. They have a. The S1 and the the prices have I don't know if it's because he bought one but like all the right people have bought the first gen Esprit and they went literally they went from like fifteen thousand forever to like a hundred thousand yeah so Magnus, it's, I'm gonna need you to buy a CRX and a <laughs> it needs to be Smurf blue with like a bunch of bass boat sparkles in it get on that. No interior. Tomorrow, if on his channel he's like, I'm gonna tell you the truth. You gotta get you gotta get a CRX. You know, everybody right? buys you a CRX. <laughs> yeah. Everybody buys a CRX. You know, yeah, that see, that's accent. why I could never be a Magnus Walker, because I do that. I just try and screw with people and see what they'd actually buy. <laughs> like, it's like today I bought a Daihatsu. <laughs> and then just go watch everybody. You buy. gotta dig deep for the cool Daihatsu, that's for sure. <clears throat> All right, well, this this is we've said everything. We've said yeah. it all. No, Mike, you want to wrap it up? Nah, I learned a lot in this one. I was kind never does quiet on this one. Wrap it up. <laughs> He's taking notes. It's like Jonathan, freaking kids, man. Jonathan yeah. was not taking notes. No, <laughs> I'm the guy in the river just tubing down the thing, man. Just I love going, it. hey, look at that. That's neat. We should go. Over I, there. I need thirty percent more of that in my life oh, for I sure. Know. I need about 90% more financial responsibility. <laughs> well. <laughs> well. Eh, I guess that's what I'm here for. I'm just as God made me. <laughs> I love it. All right. All right. See you guys. See you, S3. Oh, wait. See close. Ya. We got to close. Um, subscribe oh, yeah. to our things. Um, you know, whatever. Are you Buy can... the magazine. Subscribe yeah. to the magazine. Dude, the magazine, I've been telling these guys, let me do a, an S3 pitch for a second here. Let me okay. take my hood back off. That was kind of. Now you got to leave the hood D- on it. Dude, listen. Listen. These guys are selling their magazine way too cheap. I, I look at the, st- the sticker price of this magazine, and I, there's a few. I ended up writing for S3, honestly, because I was such a big fan of Jonathan is one of the few people that writes from his heart. You know, there's so much. Uh, you know, game playing in the, or not even game playing, but like trying to get into the industry and writing what people think, what you think people want to hear. And he does none of that. And it's, it's true, objective, beautiful, passionate automotive journalism, which is what automotive journalism used to be. And so <laughs> S3, we're kind of fortunate because I feel like all the good magazines that were, you know, like 15 years ago, have kind of gone, uh, literally have are not made anymore. And yeah, so right. S3 is sort of like the lone standout. And so even though I write for the magazine, like I come to it as, a, as an aficionado of the magazine, it is so cheap to subscribe. 
you know, I always see deals like right now they're giving a T-shirt with the, the thing. It's, if you believe in print and at all and you believe in the, the, the passion that we believe in, just subscribe to keep the print alive. So, yeah. I mean, if I could well, say it's that. Well, like Nad know. said, you know, Nad's from Hoonigan now, and he was the editor in Super Street in the uh, heyday of Super Street, like when it was really. Yeah. Uh, and he was like, it's not even about support print. He's like, F that. It's about support real media. So whether yeah. it's printed in a magazine or it's on a YouTube channel or, or whatever, like, you just got to support, like, you can tell, you can tell who, like, the passionate dudes are. That's why our magazine's so cheap, because we just want people to read it, man. We just want people to connect with it, you know? Um, so we can't, you know... Subscribe I, I, now, because I'm but, keep uh, telling them to raise the price. <laughs> so get on before, before we're, we're at the bottom of the it. depreciation curve right now <laughs> it's gonna it's gonna skyrocket They're like up. wait we should we should be for charging. subscription <laughs> we should be charging hey i subscribe to magazines that are more than that annually i know, I know. because I, know. I you know i uh i've had an evo subscription forever and yep but see, it's what we're talking about, man. You just got to live it. Like, the more that you... I had somebody tell me, man, how you always get these deals on these cars? And well, it's Because I literally am always involved and engaged in this stuff, and deals come your way. It just does. Stuff comes your way. The more you guys read or watch, the more you soak up, man. And then, you know, the more... You, the tingle, it goes back to the tingle. But when You know, the more you kind of work that muscle, and then when it starts going, you, you just know, man. You know it's time to buy, or it's time to do something, or sell, or modify, or whatever it is. But... When you get that feeling in your pee-pee, just go yeah. back home. You, you get the, it. the Peter tingle. You got your best <laughs> interest at heart. It's no joke. Not. <laughs> like, it's like, not at all. All right. Um... Oh. Well, that was a hell of a closure. So thank you for that, for the compliments. And uh, yeah, yeah. I guess we'll see you next time. Yeah. Bye. All right, later, dudes. See Bye. you guys. Bye.